Thank you for your presence. The Bible tells us that if we say we love God, whom we have not seen, but hate our brother whom we see every day, the truth is not in us. And if the God's truth in its entirety is not in us, we are not genuinely saved. We can have Christian symbols on our cars, wear Christian symbols, quote scripture, pray eloquently, and sing hymns and spiritual songs. But if we are not continuously living and applying God's word in our lives, we are not genuinely saved. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander teaches us today. Maturity in Christ. Are you looking more carnal? Are you looking more like Christ? Verses 13 and 14, John tells believers, they have known him who is from the beginning. See that phrase? Which refers to not the beginning of time, but the beginning of their relationship with Christ. The word known, you see that word known? I pointed out to you several times when I read the scripture. The word known is used three times. To know Christ is not just to have intellectual knowledge about Christ. That's a big thought. Some folks think they know Christ because they have intellectual knowledge. They can, you know, quote the books of the Bible and they can tell you the doctrine of Christology. They can tell you the doctrine of, doctrine of eschatology, pneumatology, and uh, all the other ologies, uh, bibliology. I can go through all of those things and I've taught a lot of them. But you, you can have all of that knowledge and all of that theology and be damned to hell. You say, how is that possible to have all that theology and still go to hell? Because you have an intellectual knowledge, but the knowledge hasn't gone to the heart. And it is it is intellectual knowledge without a personal relationship. Satan has intellectual knowledge, but he don't embrace it. He don't believe it. He don't receive it. You know, so you just can't have. Oh, I know this. There are people who have a doctorate in theology, masters in theology, and still held bound. Still held bound. I just heard, uh, talking to another pastor just a couple of days ago, and I'm not going to say a name or not to say anything. He said, this youth pastor in the church committed suicide. Graduate of theological seminary, and masters in it, and all of that, and still with all that knowledge, still commit suicide. I'm going to tell you something. This book here, I said it once, I said it again. This book has a whole lot of sin in it. And you know what? And you can commit any sin that is documented in this book. You know why? Because we are people too. That's right. And we have a sin nature. And we get away from God. That's right. We get away from his word. We stop praying. We get beside ourselves. We get too high and mighty. Full of pride, there's no sin too low down for you to do. That's right. So, so trusting the person and work of Jesus alone is the only way you can know Christ and be assured of your salvation. Also reflecting on when you first accepted Christ reassures you and removes your doubts. That's what brings me comfort. Even in my preaching ministry, when I go through tough times, when I go through crisis, when I go through sickness, when I go through trials, and when I go through experiences of death of the family and all this, when things, the trouble get all in my way, you know what I do? I reflect back. I say, God, you put me here. I remember how you called me, when you called me, and where you called me. And that becomes my blessed assurance. And it lets me know I'm going to be all right because he put me in this ministry. 
And even you ought to be able to reflect back on your salvation, where God saved you, when God saved you. Reflect back on that moment in time, and it'll give you the assurance of your salvation in the here and now. Philippians 3.10 says, write that scripture down. It is a powerful scripture. It says, that I may know him. Now, underline that. Oh, my goodness. That I may know him and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. That is a most explosive, powerful scripture. Let's now, let's not move too quickly from the captivating statement that Paul makes when he says that I may know him. Underline that. Matter of fact, if you can, put a double line under it. It's just that significant. Put a double line under that I may know him. Our relationship with Christ would improve tremendously if that phrase alone is the innermost desire of our hearts. If all of us would pray, Lord, help me to know you more. What a profound spiritual impact it would have on our lives personally, what it would have on our families, what it would have on the Lord's church and those we interact with. Sadly, People don't have a heart's desire to know God more. You know what they want to know more? How to make more money. You know what they want to know more? What's the latest gossip? What, 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 they want to know more of the latest trends, the latest fashions. Uh, how, how can I become more attractive? Maybe I can take some Botox and I can, I want more wrinkles gone. You know, I want to know how can my, my team win the championship. I want to know more about that. I want to know more about how to be successful in life. I want to know about more about how to be happy. How are you going to be happy if you're not holy? And some of you want to know more of this. What are we going to have for dinner? Right now. You think about it. Yeah, maybe that's me. Some of you say, I hope pastor's hungry. He won't preach too long today. What are we going to eat? You, you, you ever hear that statement? You ever hear that statement made over and over? We don't get tired of saying, hey, what are we going to eat? 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 Like you don't have a doubt. If you've got peanut butter and jelly, you're you going to eat. Amen. <laughs> amen. Don't y'all say amen. Oh, what are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? Is that, is that it? That's leftovers? It's food. <laughs> But the greatest question you should ask or be asking in your life is, am I saved? Here's, here's the question. Am I saved without a doubt? And Lord, how can I know you more? What two spiritually profound questions. Am I saved without a doubt? And how can I know you more? Ooh, if we all, if without leaving saying, Lord, my heart's innermost desire is that I can, I can get more dogs, how I can hit more balls on the golf court, you know, how I can play more bingo, I can play more dominoes, nothing wrong with that. I can go bowling, I, another movie, another Netflix, and everything else I can take off. But how can I know you more? Now, here's a question. This is going to help you. How can believers know Christ more? I'm going to give to you how you can know him more so that you can know him more. How many of you want to know God more? I do. 
I, look, if I could put both my feet up, they'd be up too, but I'd fall. How can believers know Christ more? A, first you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Acts 6.31 says, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Beloved, you must first have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ before you can know God. It is impossible to know God without a relationship with him. Okay, that's the first thing. B, you must read and obey the word of God. That's how you know God more. You will not know God more apart from the scriptures. You must read and obey the word of God, which allows him to speak to you in a very personal way. Every time you read your Bible, the Lord speaks to you. Every time you pray, you are talking to God and he wants you to have a two-way personalized conversation. Listen, when I say growing spiritually, devotionals are fine, but it is not the word of God. I'm not talking about just supplementary spiritual readings, such as devotionals, uh, daily devotionals, commentaries, and articles. There are no substitute for the word of God. No substitute. We do the word for you today here and all these other things. Listen, those things come after you do the word of God, not in place of the word of God. Nothing comes before the word of God. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from my mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. See, to know God more is this. Apart from prayer, we cannot know God more because prayer literally ushers us into the presence of God. Prayer helps you to know God more. You know, prayer also, it illuminates your mind. Prayer enlightens your mind to understand the scriptures, which helps you to know God. Let me say that again, because I know some of you are really right. And I just see you documenting. Some of you saying, Pastor, please slow down. Okay. Apart from prayer, we cannot know God more because it literally ushers us into the presence of God. Prayer illuminates our mind. It enlightens our minds to understand the scripture, which help us to know God more. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. D, continually growing in Christ is the way to know God more. The more you grow in Christ, the better you will know God. If you're not growing in Christ, you're regressing in your relationship with God. You're not going to know God more. You're going to know him less. Second Peter 3.18a says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When you are growing in him, uh, you will know God more. E, you cannot know God more apart from living a holy life. You can't live like the devil and you're in a devil's camp. You're looking at pornography. You're lashing out at people. You're sinful. You're doing all kind of damnable things and talking about, I want to know God. You'll never know him. God is a holy God and he will not reveal himself to you as you live in an unholy mess. First Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. If true believers are lovers of God. In other words, you love God. The more you love God, the greater the inner longing becomes to know him. True believers are lovers of God whose heart's desire is to know God more. I reiterate, true believers are lovers of God whose heart's desire is to know God more. 
Luke 10, 27 says, so he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. You love him with all your soul. You love God with all your strength and you love God with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Church, if you apply these principles, you will know Christ more. Some people say, what is your goal for this church? What is your vision? People, they ask me that. Now, I'm glad to ask. I've been pastoring so many years now. I don't have to say, oh, I'll go with you tomorrow. I got, I have to come up with 51 reasons for a vision for this church. I can just simplify it. I said, my vision for this church is to lead folk to Christ and to teach them how to love God more. You say, why do you say that? Because when you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, you're not going to have any problem denying yourself. You're not going to have any problem following Christ. You're not going to have any problem aligning your life to the word of God. You're not going to have any problem tithing to God. <laughs> You're not going to have any problem with any of those things because you love God that much. The total inner desire of yours is to love him more. And the more I love him, the more I can form my life to the principles of scripture. Won't you say amen? amen. Number three. Victory over Satan gives us the assurance of salvation. Victory over Satan gives us the assurance of salvation. First John 2, 13 B says, first John 2, 13 B says, I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I said the wicked one is who? The Satan, the devil. Okay. You cannot overcome the wicked one unless you are spiritually strong. Spiritually weaklings cannot overcome the devil. 1 John 2, 14b says, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 1 John 2, 14b also says, and the word and the word of God abides in you. You cannot have victory over the wicked one unless you abide in the word of God. You say, what it means, what does it mean to abide in the word of God? Some of you are not used to that terminology. To abide in the word of God means to continue in the word of God. To abide in the word of God is to remain in the word of God. To abide in the word of God is to remain steadfast in the word of God and to be unshakable when it comes to the word of God. You are not combat ready if you do not have a genuine personal relationship with Christ before engaging the, the enemy. If you're going to engage the enemy, you're going to fight a good fight. You can't be weak. You can't be double-minded. You can't be flippant. You can't be all over the place. You can't be messy. You can't be angry because Satan will exploit all of that. Beloved, every victory over Satan and the demonic realm increases your faith, gives you more confidence in Christ and courage in spiritual warfare. Every victory over Satan makes you stronger in the battle. Apart from knowing Christ, apart from being strong in Christ, apart from abiding in the words of Christ, let me say that again. Apart from knowing Christ, being strong in Christ, and abiding in the words of Christ, it is absolutely impossible to have victory over Satan, sin, and temptation. I say that again. Apart from knowing Christ, being strong in Christ, and abiding in the words of Christ, it is absolutely impossible to have victory over Satan, sin, and temptation. Abiding in Christ and his words gives us the strength and wisdom to identify Satan's strategies and helps us to overcome the wicked one. Verse 14c says, and you have overcome the wicked one. 
Beloved, you cannot overcome the wicked one unless you know the strategies of Satan. You got to know his tactics. You got to know his strategies. So that leads me to another question. What are some of the strategies of Satan? And we're almost done. What are some of the strategies of the devil? What are some of the strategies? You need to know that so that you can identify and stand against it and defeat it. What are some of the strategies of the enemy? Number one, Satan's aim is to deceive the saints. His aim is to deceive the saints. First Timothy 4, 1 says, now the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines. The word doctrine means teaching, teachings of demons. The demons will teach you to be deceived. You say, what does it mean to be deceived? To be deceived is to be misled. And Satan is a master strategist in using deception to lure unsuspecting believers away from God. He's a master strategist in getting unsuspecting believers to be led astray from the word of God and the church of God. Be mindful. You will never become so spiritually strong or invincible that the enemy cannot deceive you. Now, that that thought was so big, it may have just gone by you. (laughs) I believe I better repeat it again. Let me be. Listen, you will never, never, never become so spiritually strong or invincible that the enemy cannot deceive you. That's why 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, therefore let the one who thinks he stands watch out that he does not fall. When you think you all of that, you think you that spiritual, that holy, that uppity there in Christ, God's going to cut your knees off you. So how how does Satan deceive believers? How does he save you? He said, how did I get out here? How did this happen? I thought I knew God better than that. How, how does Satan deceive believers? A, he deceives you into thinking you have more time than you actually have to restore relationships. There are some of you out here, you need to get your relationship right with your brother, your sister, your friend, your a church member, a co-worker. You need to get right with your in-law. There's somebody you you need to get right with. And you said, well, I got time. I I do it by Christmas. And tomorrow you gone or they're gone. He deceives you into thinking you have more time than you actually have to restore relationships, witness for Christ and to yield to the call of God upon your life. You, 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 You say, oh, God called me to be an evangelist. God called me to be to missions or God called me to you or whatever. And you say, well, I do it. Next year, next year, you put off the call of God, put off the call of God and you die with an unfulfilled call that God wanted you to have. But you wouldn't receive it because you put God off for selfish reasons. How does Satan deceive believers? Satan deceives you into relying on your own human wisdom instead of trusting the word of God. When you put your human reason, reasoning over the word of God, you're on your way down. You're going to make a big mess of your life and you're going to mess up everybody around you. And look, everybody that looks spiritual is not spiritual. Everybody that talks spiritual is not spiritual. You better size everybody up by the word of God. That's including your kinfolk. Okay. See, Satan deceives you into entertaining demonic spirits unaware. 
such as reading horoscopes. Don't be asking what your sign is. Astrology. I don't care nothing about you being a Virgo. Divination. Consulting mediums. All that stuff is done today. Dialing up hell. That's what you're doing. You're dialing up hell. Say dialing up hell. Anytime you do this, you're dialing up hell. Psychic hotline. You're going to pay somebody. You're going to pay the devil to forecast your future and don't even tithe. Uh, watching television shows based on witchcraft. Praying for and talking to the dead. You know, folk talk to dead folk. They burn, you know, they burn them up, uh, 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 cremate them and whatever and put them in ashes and put them over some uh, bedroom. Hey, Joe, good morning. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Guess what I did yesterday? You'd be disappointed with me, Joe. You know what I did? I, I, I wrecked the car. If Joe came out that bottle. <laughs> you would be in that bottle with him. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want anybody. Asking. That happened to me one time. Oh, God. Well, you remind me so much of your God. Oh, and y'all, you know, when, I, when this happened, everybody get quiet. You know, they, they say he's going to say something. Y'all want you to be described when I'm teaching the word, but here's a sideline illustration. So this person, I, you know, I did the eulogy. And something. I'm not going to call no name at the point in time, whoever. But then they cremated them. And then she, I just said, you go take those ashes. I'm going to take those ashes home. I'm going to take them home. And so I said, okay, you take them home. That's, that's my loved one. That's my dish. I'm going to take them home. Okay. I, two or three months later, Reverend Drake. I said, huh? Can you come get these ashes? <laughs> I said, come get those ashes. What am I going to do with those ashes? I don't want them. That's not my loved one. And, you know, I go spread them somewhere. Just, just spread, spread them in the backyard. You know, go spread them. Go, go spread them. It's fine. Just, just spread them. Spread. You know, you get the ashes, then you find, what am I going to do with the urn? And you put it there, and you know what? Satan get in it, and you start talking to it. And you know what Satan does? Satan can talk through objects. And he can put his voice and pitch his voice and imitate your loved one, and you think you're talking to your loved one, and you're talking straight to the devil. Uh Uh-oh. Somebody say, what did you say? (laughs) You having a good conversation with the devil thinking you're talking to your husband, Joe. Oh, I'm not talking about you, Joe, now. (laughs) I'm not talking about you. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh. oh man participating in seances and believe in superstition talking about a black cat walk your path don't walk around on this ladder and don't. I'm not studying the black cat my faith is not that weak just a shoe cat and keep walking <laughs> you worry about a black cat and eyes all grayish looking I'm not gonna. I, I'll never walk this path again. Get over yourself. You ought to be stronger than that. Talking about a black cat. That stuff is straight from the pits of hell. And God want to tell me. Let me tell you to stay away from it. It's dangerous. It's it's disastrous. And I need to preach it so you won't get all entangled. How does Satan deceive believers? Oh, it's gonna get bigger, y'all. Some believers who may be struggling with their sexuality refuse to allow Satan I want to tell you for you who may be struggling with your sexuality refuse to allow Satan to deceive you through bad counsel 
into thinking you have to transition to the opposite sex to be happy. You said, can I believe it do that? Yes. If they get away from the word and they start listening to propaganda, the lies, the television, the social media, the politicians, and the folks that's promoting this stuff, and they're not listening to the word of God, they can be duped. Do not allow Satan to confuse you. This is a lie, and if you believe it, if I, if I make my body, if I change and transition to a woman, if I'm a man, or, or from a woman to a man, that's going to make me happy. No, it won't. That's a lie. You will end up deceived. You will end up depressed. You will end up in spiritual regression and even suicidal. Repent and turn to Jesus. Accept and enjoy who God created you to be at birth even though you may have already permanently altered your body. There is still hope for you. There is still hope for you. Be mindful. God loves you unconditionally through the best of decisions and through the worst of decisions. God still loves you. The Bible tells us that there is no assurance of salvation apart from obedience to God's word, for his word alone gives us that assurance. We must trust in the Lord with all our hearts and acknowledge him in all our ways. Only then can we say we are genuinely saved. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages service times, direction to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.